In today's podcast, we would like to personally invite you to listen in on some teaching and discussion we did with a group of wonderful ladies on the subject of technology. Now, today you're going to hear the first half of that discussion as we specifically talk about the subject of women and technology. We will be airing the second half of this great discussion next week, and that one we're going to be focusing in on children and technology. We want you to consider this the first of numerous resources that we will be offering through Parent Reform on this very important subject. We pray this will be a blessing to you. Parent Reform. Reforming the parent, transforming the child. Welcome to the Parent Reform Podcast. Our mission is to inspire, encourage, and equip you to raise your children for the glory of God. I like seeing all the faces in this room. There's diversity of age and stage of life. And I, I love that. That's a representation of the body of Christ. Um, some of what we're going to share tonight will be directed at you young moms. And some of it is going to be somewhat directed to us seasoned ladies. So I hope that tonight there's something here for, for everybody. Technology and the internet, we could sit here all night long and not complete the full breadth of knowledge of things that we want to talk about. So I feel like today we're just scratching the surface. That's all we're going to do. And hopefully this will propel us into future conversations. And so this evening we're going to divide everything up into about two groups. We're going to talk about women and the internet and technology. I'm going to kind of lead us in that discussion. Warren will chime in. And then we're going to, second part will be children and technology and the internet. And Warren's going to lead us in that. But to get our wheels turning after a long day, I want us to do a little word association together, okay? So I'm going to call out some common internet and technology uses for women. And what I want you to do is just, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Ready? Email. (laughs) (laughs) Email. Time consuming. Snapchat. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Just say no. Just say no. Pinterest. Fun. Time consuming. Anybody else? Ideas. Online news sources. What did you say? Bias? Time consuming. Twitter. Anybody doing? A bird? <laughs> the first time I heard of Twitter and tweets, I thought, who in the world made that up? I can't imagine. Facebook. Friends. YouTube. Time suck. Time suck? How about blogging sites? You guys. Blogging. Blogging sites. Just another thing to read. Just another thing to read. Text messaging. (laughs) (laughs) Saves me from making phone calls, right? Quick. Quick, but can be time Time consuming. consuming. (laughs) How about mommy chat rooms and mommy Facebook groups? 
Netflix. Binge watching. You guys are so honest. Oh my. Yeah, I call it video wasteland. <laughs> Instagram. What? Stories. Stories. Okay. Good. Good stuff. So, what I want us to do as we move forward and we try to cover some ground, we're going to start start at the top of the mountain, and then we're going to work our way down. And at the top of the mountain is a biblical perspective of this subject, and then we're going to work our way. Talk loud. Can you guys hear me? Thanks to Terry Phillips, I have been spending more time in the book of Ephesians. Yes. A little louder. Okay. Louder. I am so sorry. I've been spending time in the book of Ephesians, and especially Ephesians 6. Um, the last part that talks about spiritual warfare and arming ourselves for spiritual battle. And I want to read for you verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. And in my study of this, this is actually a ranking of demons and principalities, and it is ranked in order of evil. In the second to the last of this incremental order is rulers of the darkness of this age. And what that says to me is that there are rulers of darkness of various ages. If you were to ask your Christian parents, what do you think the rulers of darkness were for your generation? I bet they could tell you. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents. But I believe one of the rulers of darkness of this age is the internet and technology. Now, is it innately evil? Absolutely not. It is not innately evil. It's a tool. It's a tool. But we know it's a tool that Satan has used for evil. So as a point of discussion, just think in a generality, in a broad base, how do you think that Satan has possibly used technology and the internet for evil? Can you think of anything? Pornography, Pornography is huge. Sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Ideologies. Spreading ideologies. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Division. Division. Mm. That's really good. Yes. How about for those of us sitting in this room, right here, women in various seasons of life, how do you think Satan might be using this in our lives? Self-esteem. Self-esteem. Distraction. Distraction. Comparison. Comparison. What was that? Lack of contentment. Lack of contentment. Yes. All of those things are true, but who said distraction? (laughs) (laughs) You guys get the gold star. (laughs) In my own life, and by the way, anything that we're going to talk about tonight, I'm working through this myself. And Warren's working through this, quite honestly. 
But in my own life, and as I observe mothers and wives, I feel like one of the greatest ways that Satan is using the internet is in the way of distractions. And let me just build on that for just a minute. In Hebrews 12.1, and I know you're familiar with this verse, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's interesting that the author of Hebrews is talking about a certain race. It's not a precarious race. It's the race that is set before us now in this season of life today. So what do you think right now in your season of life is the race that is set before you today? Now, what would you say it is? What do you feel like is the race that you're running right now? Shepherding, Shepherding children. Discipline. Disciplining children. Nurturing. Nurturing. And kids. Yes. Anybody else? Witnessing to neighbors. Witnessing to neighbors. So for most of you here right now, the race that's set before you is to be a godly wife, to be a present and faithful mom, and grandmas too, and to be a diligent manager of your home. Now, we're also told in this race that we want to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. Um, have you all ever done any running? Okay, well, we have some runners in our family, and let's just say in most of the track meets and cross-country meets that I've gone to, they don't wear very much. <laughs> they don't wear They have little flimsy pants and shorts and little shirts. And why is that? Because they don't want anything to slow them down. They don't want any weight that's going to slow them down. And what's interesting is I, is I dug into this. The Greek definition for the word ensnare, the sins that so easily ensnare us, one of the de definitions is to be easily distracted. That's so interesting to me. So is it possible that our wrong use of technology could actually distract us to the point that it makes it really hard for us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, being godly wives, being godly moms, being present at home. So I want you to hold that truth for just a minute, and I'm going to keep going with this. I want to return to Ephesians 6 and talk about more of Paul's instructions to these faithful warriors. Okay, He's telling them now to put on the full armor of God. And then in verse 18, he says to be watchful to this end with all perseverance. He's telling them to be watchful. And then these same instructions are echoed in 1 Peter 5, 8, as Peter is sharing how God's people need to resist Satan. And this was just the scripture that Joanna prayed. It says, be sober, be watchful. There's that watchfulness again. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeing whom he can devour. And when I looked up the Greek meaning for both of these verbs in both of these uh, New Testament passages, being watchful means I am not asleep, I am awake, I am watchful, I am on alert and I am vigilant. 
So let me ask you this question. Can a faithful warrior be watchful, on alert, and vigilant if he's distracted? He can't. So hang on with me because we're going to make a home run. The instructions in Titus 2 for the older women to teach the younger women, one is to be a keeper at home. In 1 Timothy 5.14, the instructions are given to the young widows to manage their households faithfully. And then in Proverbs 31, verse 27, she is told, we are told, that she watches over the ways of her household. And when I looked up the Greek and the Hebrew meaning of these, it means a watching and a guard over the home. That is the race that is set before you. To be a watchman, to be a guard over your home. And it is an awesome calling. It is commanded in scripture that that's what we're supposed to do. It is commanded by your commander in chief that you are to be a watchman and a guard. As one writer put it, the keeper at home is not just a domestic servant. Yes, we're supposed to care for the needs of our home, but she is charged with guarding the home from enemy onslaught. That's a powerful position to be in. So for you today, right now, what do you think it means to be a watchman or a guard over your home practically? What would be the job description of your job and your home as watchman and guard? Think. What do you think that looks like? Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, exactly. Anything else? Be aware of your struggles. And you have to be present to be able to do that. That's right. Really good. So it's being present. It's being alert, engaged, watching with intention and discernment. It's having meaningful conversations with family members, knowing their hearts, their bents for good and for sin. It's about child training, being present for discipleship, and chastening as well. So... How do you think the use of technology and the internet can inhibit us from fulfilling the command to be a watchman or a guard of our homes? Yeah, it puts us to sleep in this Totally. Totally check out and not even know what's going on around us, even when we're there. Yes, absolutely. When my head is down on my phone, I am fully engaged with what's on that screen or on my laptop, and I cannot know really and truly what's going on around me. Have you ever experienced that? Yes, yes, I've experienced that. And what I've noticed, especially when my children were a little younger and I entered into the age of technology, is what I noticed is when I was on my phone, I noticed that behaviors intensified as well. That ever happened in your house? That's right. So even though we are managing our homes as far as the daily care, you can hire anybody to scrub your toilets. And you can hire anybody to do your laundry. I especially advise you to have your kids do that. But there is nobody on the planet that is going to guard and watch your home 
like you. You were created for this job, and God has given you a family uniquely fitted for you to do that job. And Satan wants anything more than anything for you to be off your guard, for you to be distracted, for you to not be watching, so that he can come in like a lion ready to devour. So just hold that in place. And let me just say from my perspective that if you can get that, if you can get and understand that calling as a watchman and a guard and fulfill that, everything else falls in place of what we're going to share tonight. Everything else. Go ahead. Yeah, let me add just a couple of things to that. So if you think about... If I was to say, what analogy could you use to describe this watchman that she's talking about in real life, maybe in history? You might think of a watchman that's on a post, like a military guard. And, and I think shepherd comes to mind. You think about how shepherd watches over the watching, sheep. Watching for the wolf. And so I would think as a mental exercise to think, when is a shepherd a poor shepherd? When is that guard in dereliction of duty when he's not doing his job? What what causes them, you know, to, to fall away from it? And some of them aren't necessarily just the they intended to do something bad or they ever dreamed that they would fail at their post. But especially for the guardsmen, isn't that a tough job where you're, you're sitting at a post where hardly it seems like not much is happening and you're late at night and you're falling asleep and your mind is wandering? That's hard. And, you know, used to be, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but if, if a guard falls asleep on posts, do you know the penalty for that, if they catch you asleep at the post, yeah, it's, and I don't know if they've changed that these days, but that's what it historically was. And for the shepherd that falls asleep, it's the loss of a sheep, you know, it's life and death for them. And so, not to be over dramatic, but think about it in the sense of what befalls those watchmen can befall you because it seems like, okay, it's the endless day in and day out. That's, I think that's one of the hardest parts having watched my wife do her job for these years is the never-ending stream of the laundry and the needs and all the things that she manages as she manages her home. And that, um, to I think, to remember the seriousness of it and that you have been given an assignment and the stakes are very high. So think about those examples and what causes them to fail on the job and then think about for yourself what's the stake and what can help stir me up with what I'm doing. So. I think... Knowing that that is your job to be a watchman and a guard, I, I hope in your own mind it elevates the calling that God has given you as wives and mothers. I think I know one of the things that the internet does. I think it causes us to doubt what we're doing, the importance of the job, that it's just mundane and anybody can do that. But you've been called to be a watchman and a guard, and you will be held accountable. I think about that. We will all be held accountable for the stewardship of this season that we're in because it's, you're, it's not going to be like this forever. Your little ones one day will grow and they will be gone. And your, your job as a guard and a watchman, it's not going to look like that. This is intense for many of you sitting here. This is an intense time and Satan would love for you to be checked out. Are you ever tempted to be checked out? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I still am. I still am. And, and that phone is beckoning you to check out. Resistant. Resistant. And give yourself as that guard and that watchman like you just described. You're in the post. It's privilege. It's 
it's a privilege. And just one more thing, just to that point that God has equipped you to do this job, I could, if your husbands were here and could hear, I would exhort them to listen to your wives when they have that nagging, just something, they don't know what it is, but to listen to that, because there's been many times that I've been tempted to not listen to a concern that she's seen and learned over the years to listen to that and give it some attention to see where it goes. And it very often goes somewhere. It was usually real. And so uh, to just keep that in mind and, and pray that you're able to articulate clearly and see and don't dismiss in your own heart. You know, you can just just you know, make a note. I'm watching this and seeing, but it's part of just knowing the sheep, your children, and where you said that, knowing your kids. Referring to like maybe observation that she has over what your kids, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yep. she voices it to you mm-hmm. as something like you're not sure, but yes. watch this kind of a thing. Yep. Exactly, yep. exactly. <clears throat> she would see a pattern that I'm not seeing. Even when she articulated, I'm like, I'm still not seeing it. And early in the marriage, I was like, yeah, I've got too many other things to worry about. But in those cases where I didn't see it, it turned into something much bigger, and I regretted it. We didn't deal with it earlier on, especially in this topic we're talking about tonight around technology. And I think that role as watchman and guard, if you practice it, I think that God increases your discernment, mm-hmm. actually. I think pray specifically for discernment. Uh-huh. Definitely. Okay, we're going to switch gears, but don't forget what we just talked about. It's, it's foundational. Social media. Our friends, social media. Anybody on social media? I am. Raise your hand. How about anyone not on yeah, social a, media? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking to you, too. I know. We, we'll be talking yeah. to you, too. Anybody else not on social media? Uh I got on Facebook a year ago. I'm 55 years old. Scared me to death. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll talk about that. And I'll talk about that later. Uh, and I'm trying to gear up for Instagram because of our ministry. And I just don't know if I can do it. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. We'll, we'll talk about that more. So I want to first talk about the aspect of posting. Has anybody posted on social media? Okay. All right. What do women post? When you look at your feed, what, what do we post? The one smile. Of the tantrum, right? And then we say, what? Oh, this is a special moment. Hashtag bless life, right? Hashtag loving it. Just what, what else do we post? I mean, what, what are themes, huh? A lot of selfies. About ourselves. Uh, a lot of selfies, a lot of just anything that we're doing. I mean, Yes. It's just a lot of me. A lot of me. Yeah. Any other things? Growing mm-hmm. belly because I'm pregnant. Look what my kid did. Mm-hmm. Our family vacation. Any other things you can think of? Yes. Okay. So let's take that to a little bit of a deeper question. Why do we post? What's at the bottom of the motivation of why we post? Recognition. Affirmation. Looking for self-worth. Does anybody ever struggle with that in this room? Yes, I do. I'll, I'll raise my hand for you. Yes. So I want to share a little story that I think articulates what is going on inside of us 
often, not always, often as we post online. So years ago, there was a, a somewhat famous interview with two actors, and the younger actor was sharing this, with, was sharing it in an interview, but it was actually a, a dinner between two actors. One was Dustin Hoffman. I don't know if any of you know who he is. Your parents will know who he is. <laughs> parents will know who he is. Award-winning, Oscar-winning. I know. I can't wait to say their names, but I'm going to say their names. Okay. He was sitting across at dinner from his great mentor, Lawrence Olivier. Do you even know who he is? Yes. Great actor of your grandparents' day. And Lawrence Olivier was at the end of his life, but they were having this one last meal together. And Dustin Hoffman looked at his dying beloved mentor, and he said, Lawrence, we've given our lives to acting, and we're really good at what we do. Why do we do it? And Lawrence said, I'm going to tell you why we do it. And he took his feeble arms, and he hoisted himself on the table, and he got in Dustin Hoffman's face, and he said, look at me, 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 look at me. Over and over again. And I... I thought about that and I thought, I wonder why, I wonder if that's at some of the root of why we post on social media. Look at me. I am here. Don't forget me. I am significant. You think about that God created us to know and to be known. Whether we're lost or whether we're saved, we were created to know and to be known in social media is um, will not fill that need I'm trying to find my notes it's a poor substitute social media is a poor substitute it never satisfies our need for relational intimacy it never satisfies our need to know and to be known it never fills that deep need we have for fellowship it never curbs our loneliness and our desire for significance. It doesn't. And, and I think sometimes when I'm viewing posts, I, I'm wondering if that is at the core. And I, I have to test my own motives. When I, when I post, I have to ask myself, Mary Robbins, what is the motivation for what you're posting right now? Is it me-centered? Is it about me? Is it so that I can share something about me? Or is it God-centered? And I, I struggle with that. And oftentimes, I don't post. Because I can't do it with a clear conscience. So the next question that I or the next subject I want to talk about with social media is viewing, looking. Going through, going through my social media feed, does it ever tempt you to sin? The two sins that I am tempted in with my social media feed is one, to covet. Do you know what covet means? To want what somebody else has or to be critical. Anybody ever struggle with that? Yes. Do you ever covet? In what way? That was the first on my list. The vacation we will never have. Yes. Yeah. What was that? Did you say no vacations with no kids. Just like, <laughs> 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 put a qualifier on that. Which really is a real vacation, right? And the vacation with the kids is not a vacation. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a great group. <laughs> That's a great group. Anything else that you've got? 
houses, jobs, friends, friends, the party that you weren't invited to. How about other kids' accomplishments that yours are really kind of average right now, right? Yes. And so these are the things, not you, Carolyn, but <laughs> But when we're posting, are we thinking about also the audience of the people that are watching? I'm, a post, I'm posting my amazing anniversary celebration, and it's being seen by somebody that's really struggling in their marriage that is a victim of divorce or that may be widowed. The pregnancy and the growing belly, and there's many out there who are struggling with infertility or have lost a child the awesome European vacation that our family, or someone else's family, will never experience. The exciting ministry and adventure that someone's experienced, while many that are watching are experiencing a mundane, chaotic life that may never look like that. We need to remind ourselves that when we're tempted to covet, and I know you know this, but social media kind of is false advertisement, right? We're, we're just like you said, the picture of the smile when there was a temper tantrum all around it. Um, and, and so we really, we really don't see reality. And, and it's not possible. It's not possible. And that's why it's just a glimpse. It's just a small, little, teeny, microscopic vignette in someone's life. But it is not reality. When I'm on social media, the other thing that I'm tempted to do, and I hate to say this, is to be critical. Have you ever just kind of had some judgmental thoughts about when someone, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, I, I want to share a story with you, and it's a very humbling story, but I, I just want to share this because I think it really makes the point. She fell off the radar, I fell off the radar, and years later we've reunited in social media. And so I was looking at her feed and noticed she gained a little bit of weight. Huh, she's gained a little bit of weight. That's interesting. She's sitting a lot. She must be pretty inactive. Wait a minute, her, her husband isn't, isn't in these pictures. Oh my gosh, did they, did they get a divorce? I mean, this is kind of going through my head. Well, y'all, I looked at that screen and I wept. I felt the piercing conviction of the Holy Spirit I cast judgment on a friend. And I had said something in my heart about her character that was absolutely not the case. And I share that because I think it's easy for us to do that. Again, we're looking at a feed, we're looking at a microsecond of someone's life. And it's so easy for us to cast judgment. I pray I never do that again. Can social media be used in a God-honoring way? Is it possible? I think it is. Do you think it is? How? How do you think? I think it's like you But I will say that I think one of the 
one of the issues, you know, as far as distractions go, part of why we can be distracted is because, um, you know, for for those of us who do try to have good intentions, we can get distracted doing good on yes. Facebook instead of, you know, doing that towards our own home. And, you know, not that there's not a place for that, but it's going to be... I, it has to be priorities. It's seasons of life. That right now, your season of life may be 10 minutes and then call it done. Write a little word of encouragement to somebody's post, whatever, and maybe the Lord may really lay something on your heart to post that would truly be edifying. But later, there may be opportunity for greater engagement to see it as, a, as an opportunity to, to actually minister to people online in, in certain ways. I love the story of John Piper years ago, and you know he's you all know who John Piper is. Um, has a ministry desiring God, and when the internet was exploding and social media was exploding, he did not know what he said. He was totally ignorant of how all that worked, and so he sat with a young man that was part of Desiring God. He said, "You convinced me how social media and the internet can be a means that I can make much of God through our ministry." Within ten minutes. John Piper was totally convinced. And we know that Desiring God is everywhere, worldwide, on the internet. And so we know that it can be a means to do good, to spread the gospel, to propel people to love and good deeds. So I want to say something to those of us over 50 in this room. The ones sitting in the back. <laughs> the ones hiding in the back. Not on social media. Well, I'm going to say for me, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I've, I'm, I'm learning that. And one thing that, that Warren has really helped me in, and he's told me, do not be afraid of technology. Because I, I really was. And um, for us as older women, I do think we have more time. We're in a different season of life. And these women, our people, that's where they are. They are on social media, they are on Facebook, and they are on Instagram. And one of the benefits for me has been, I feel like I have a little greater engagement. I think I have a little better, better breadth and understanding of what is going on um, in this season of their lives, in this time in history. And so um, it, is, it is my desire as an older woman to have a presence to a, in a certain degree that, that is encouraging and edifying. Um, I only have Facebook on my laptop because I don't want it on my phone because it's so tempting. But Instagram, I understand, can only be on my phone. So I'm hesitant, but I'm gonna do it. And, uh, and, I, and I wanna be very intentional about that. And just to end this little part, I wanna tell an amazing story. My beloved grandmother lived to be 101 years old. But her greatest ministry was a prayer warrior. She was incredible. And she prayed for missionaries. She prayed for people all over the world. On her 93rd, well, not her 93rd birthday, her 93rd Christmas, someone gave her a computer to a 93-year-old woman. Do you remember that Christmas? I'll never forget that Christmas. We're open up. I'm going... We call her Gigi. How in the world is Gigi going to learn how to use this computer? And she asked a similar question that John Piper asked. She said, 
hey, could this computer help me to pray better, to be more engaged with missionaries? And so we set her up. Her, her email was ggpraise at gmail.com. <laughs> and this is what she did. And I'm telling the story for, for a reason. Yes, it was great. She would get on there once a day. She would fire that thing up. And with her arthritic hands, she would get on there, engage with her people. Talk to those missionaries overseas through the internet. Pray for them. Write down the prayer requests. And then when she was done, she would not only power off, but she would unplug it out of the wall. That's what she did. It was a tool. It was to her a great tool. And when she was done using that tool, it had no purpose. Like a vacuum cleaner. I plug it. I'm so thankful for my vacuum cleaner. I plug it in. I use it. I unplug it. I put it up. But I don't need it out. It doesn't need to be ringing at me and reminding. It's a, it's a tool. And so internet and technology can be a gift. It can, it can be a tool. And I think we need to, to remind ourselves that's what it should be. Any, any comment on that? All right. It's not cool. Is that, it is. Even our cell phones where Sometimes it's like we can't get together and have lunch without picking up our cell phone a hundred times. And it's always open to the screen, right? It's open to the screen, and it's it's like there's no conversation with the person you're with because you're looking every time there's any feet from our phones. And And I'm looking at their phone, too. I am, too. (laughs) But I think all those kinds of things just rob us of intimacy, face-to-face, getting to know each other. I agree. And I think we need to know ourselves, because some of us get addicted to this stuff. And I think we need to know ourselves and ask the Lord what, what, because we're different. We're all different, and I know what my weaknesses are, and I have to ask the Lord, is this something I can do or not? Yes. Because of the weaknesses in me, and I have them. And there's certain things I have to be on guard, not only guard in my home, but on guard for myself, so that I can be free to be on guard in my home. Absolutely. Have you ever been to a restaurant? Or maybe this has been you. I mean, this could easily be us. And a family is gathered at a table at a restaurant and everybody's heads are down with the glow of the screen on their faces. No engagement, no conversation. And you know, conversation is a skill. It doesn't, for a lot of us, it doesn't really come naturally, especially with some of our kids in certain seasons of their life, it takes intentionality to be engaged. And one of the biggest shocks to me was when I learned that at that table, the kids are texting each other. So they're not articulating across the table. Yes, they're texting the each other they're at the text- table. And I've heard parents say that they can communicate with some better through texting than face-to-face. And that that's a pretty poor substitute. It really is. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and I was thinking about the, the TV, and the TV was a huge distraction, but the TV was at least something everybody was sharing and the experience to some degree. Where our cell phones, we are all individually having a totally different experience. And it's not anything we could talk about, we can share with each other. It's, it's very isolating. It is. And the, the TV is not interactive outside of just the remote. That's your interaction with it. And Terry kind of hinted at this. There's actually a progression that's happening. And it's not just Gigi with her computer and she's doing email. It's now we have a laptop and we're our desktop and now we have laptops and now we have tablets and cell phones that are smartphones and it's moving on. And to, to even name this talk, was is it technology talk? Is it an internet talk? Is it social media? But the root of it is that we're becoming connected. So it's a peer-to-peer connected world through technology. That's where we're moving to. And our appliances and the cars and everything else is gonna become more and more connected and computerized. And all of those things will have that same addicting because we're interacting with something. And it's like something is raising its hand. You know, you just, oh, over here, over here. And now our whole house is gonna be raising its hand. So we have to manage it now. And those are amazing tools. I, I love I love those things because I mean, my background is technology and this is what I did for a career. So I love those things and yet they have to, that tiger has to be kept in a cage. Mm-hmm. You know, tigers are beautiful in a cage. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gary, can you just, in medical and then in the research, um, there's a lot about loneliness, how people, there's that created sense of depth that is so actually shallow, but just they're saying that 18 to 25 year olds are the most lonely people yes. in the, right now because of technology. So yes. Everything is through it is. text or Facebook or Instagram. Exactly. It is. There is a, a huge body of research. I don't want to move into that part of the subject. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes about some of those things, but mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yes. There's no answer to this. An interesting question. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? You know what? I don't have a. I I I don't have a clue. But he was so relational and so people face to face, and he touched and he, you know, and but. I I think. I mean, what comes what comes to mind to me is the tax question. You know, render under Caesar. That that's Caesar. So they had money. They dealt with money, and they they bought and they sold, and so they used the system that was there. So I think that it, to me, it's a tool, and so uh, I would assume he would use it as a tool that way. So I mean, these are you're not asking the obvious one. It's the hard, really yeah. deep ones, you know. I and I don't know it. how he would, but yeah. I think at some level it boils down to it's a tool that doesn't control us. Yeah, and I don't think doing away with it completely. Mm-hmm is the answer. I think there is a sanctified way, a godly way for us to engage. But I think often it's we have to test our own hearts. Am I off guard as I'm doing this? What is my motivation when I'm on social media? What's going through my heart? I'm on Facebook probably for 15 minutes and I feel the darkness descend. I, I, I can feel it. I can feel myself going into something that I don't like. And I just say, okay, I'm, I have to be done. And it, it's like it sucks me into its vortex. Have you ever been sucked into the vortex of social media? It's, it just sucks you in. And on that note, I want to end this little section that we're just talking about women and the internet, the darker side of the internet. Just, just for a few minutes, I think we need to touch on this. So I have a post-it note in my office that's right in front of my face. And this is what it is. 
the scripture. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Psalm 119.37. That rings in my ears when I am looking online. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. That's the prayer of my heart. I think about Ephesians 5, and it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Have you ever looked at anything online that might qualify as the unfruitful works of darkness and maybe unintentionally? Do you all know the term clickbait? Have you heard of that term clickbait? Warren, do you want to share what yeah, that is? So the way, because the internet is largely free, the way they make money is by getting impressions to see a page. And so they have images they want you to click through. So you're here looking at this story and they have other ones that they think you'd click through. So they desperately want you to click. And if you've ever fallen for it, how many times have you landed on another page that had nothing to do with, you know, with that thing that you just clicked through, but you're seeing something maybe worse, um, something you wish you hadn't seen, or something that actually sends you into a rabbit trail and you lose 20 minutes because you're looking at something else shiny and sparkly over here. Anyway, clickbait. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you're looking at a news article and then there's all these interesting ones and you click that and then you click that and then, and then you realize, oh my goodness, I'm looking at something. I'm not talking about pornography, but I'm looking at something that I had no intention. This is a worthless thing. And some of it is, is evil and sinful. And you didn't have any intention to do that. I just think that's something that we need to be mindful of. And the other thing I just want to talk very briefly, and someone mentioned this, is just online addictions. I think more of us are addicted than we realize that we are. That we are so connected to certain things online that we actually need it. It's like a fix that we need. Um, you know, we, we're very concerned about online pornography, and we should be, with men and young men. But I think as women, we have our own forms of pornography. And I don't mean sexual. I just mean things that those endorphins are just firing every time we do it. It's something that we need to have to look at, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a blog. Maybe it's Pinterest. Maybe it's social media. But it's just something that we crave, and we can't really end our day unless we've looked at it. I think we just need to be really mindful of that. Um, and and begin to, I would just like to challenge you, just to begin to consider how often you're on the internet and maybe even doing a personal log of how much time, I think we would really be surprised how much time we're looking at our phones, we're checking our feed, we're responding to things, we're looking at social media, to really take some personal inventory on that. And then I just want to ask the question so that we can help one another. What are some things that you think, or maybe some of you have done, that have helped control your screen time? Some things that you might suggest that would help us to kind of control our desire to be online, to be on our phones. What are some things that you guys have found to be helpful? Yeah. Um, Well, a couple things. I was going to say... Now, uh, 
it's it's not as much of an issue for me as it used to be back when it first came out many years ago. Um, it was just a lot more interesting, and so it was it's just um, not as interesting anymore, I guess, overall. But the um, but I remember just really struggling at that time when George was little. He was probably about one or two, and um, and. Uh, you know, at that time, I don't know if you know, but when you logged off of Facebook, it told you how much time you had spent on there. Well, mm. they quickly got rid of that. <laughs> but I remember being absolutely shocked at how much time I had spent. I would have guessed 30, 40 minutes, and it might be over two hours, and it did not feel like that. Um, but a big part of recognizing that is I remember um, one day, I went and sat down on the computer and George started crying immediately just from me sitting down and I knew and realized it's because he's felt neglected and ignored and I'm focused on that. Yes. Um, but nowadays I think as our boys are older especially <coughs> even nowadays they're not on social media and they don't have phones or anything but they see me getting on. Almost Absolutely. Everything I do they're on watching. Facebook. Yes. Right there. Sometimes they look at That's right. Me. And so I think it's very motivating at this point as I'm seeing. I want to be an example now. Uh, how can I get on here? How can I enjoy it? How can it be just a pleasurable thing, even if that's all I use it for? But um, but then have self control yes. and get off. And there may be some funny video we look at and we all enjoy together. Yes. But then it needs to end. Well, and I think you made such a great point. You you have witnesses. You have little eyes watching you. They're going to emulate you. They're, they're watching. They're witnessing your relationship with technology. Any, anybody else, any, any suggestions that, that have helped you to kind of safeguard your time? I did kind of make a conscious decision. Like, I'm in the living room space. My children, I don't want to have a phone out. Okay, and space I try, again, don't do this well, but I try to say, Mommy is cleaning this plate this morning. I'm going to be on my phone so that I can coordinate with this mom. It's like trying to let them know what I'm doing. Because they don't really know what I do on there, right? Like, That's they don't really know good. good That's idea. really good. So that they know. Yeah. I like that. To tell them what you're doing well, on there. Yes. Right? If I am like kind of needing my phone or I can hear it, so I can get back to somebody, then I do leave it in there and I try to And then if it's just the school morning, I do try to, because I know I'm tempted, right? It dings and I'm like, I wonder if that's, yeah. whatever. It's yeah. tempting. Yes. That's a good, the dings is a good yeah. example. One recommendation is to turn the notifications off on your phone. Have y'all yeah. ever done that? Yes. And all your children are like, Mom, you got a message. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear a date and we're all looking. I know. I like, you texted me. I got that in my phone. Something that's really helped me is changing uh, the tone for like, like when you call me or text me. So I don't know if you can hear it. That's him. It's surely the only emergency text or call. Yeah. Right. So that, that communicates a message to your children. Yeah, it does. So that helps. And leave me in another room, like she said, but I can hear it and I know if it's him and I can go and get it. Awesome. And they that's know cool. if that's his It's really good. That's a good suggestion. Another really practical thing. I 
have an Android and they have an app that tracked how much time you spent on each app. Mm-hmm. But Apple is actually putting that feature in on their next software update. Yes. I'm just really excited yeah. about that. You go to your dad and where you find your dad and so they're at a new level to this. So I read an article about this too. So they've actually kicked it up. They, they've had that for a long time, but they've added a new set of controls to it. And so, yeah, I would I would look into that. Thanks for, yeah, I've forgotten about that. But this is like within a matter of like two months or so, I, I think is when I saw the announcement for that. So that's good. I think they recognize that they're doing harm. So. As we close this podcast... I'd like to leave you with one last thought. You know, there are a lot of options for online filters out there, and we need them. We need those resources. But I would like to suggest to you that I think the best online filter is Philippians 4.8, and it reads, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. We would also love to hear from you. We love to hear from our listeners, from our fellow parents. If you have any comments or questions, or if you would like just to engage with us more, would you please shoot us an email. You can shoot me an email at mary at parentreform.com or you can email Warren at warren at parentreform.com. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast helpful as you seek to parent your children well for the glory of God. For more information about Parent Reform, please visit our website at parentreform.com. There you'll find more parenting resources. You can also sign up for our newsletter and Q&A emails.